So, Craig, we're here in Healdsburg, California, which is in Sonoma County, and we're in your tasting room in this town square. What are you going to kick us off with today? Uh, we're going to kick it off with our Monterey Rosé of Pinot Noir from 2018. Uh, this is a, a pretty new release for us, and it's a, a really fresh, crisp style of rosé. It's the perfect wine for spring and summer, and probably year-round these days, I think. Uh, rosés tend to have that year-round appeal now. But it's beautiful here in Healdsburg today, and this is a great way to kick it off. But we're here in Sonoma, and Monterey is a couple hundred miles south of here. About 200 miles south, and, uh, and very different in terms of the growing season uh, and the soils. Uh, and the wines are distinctly different from Monterey than what we see here on the, the northern California coast. Great. Can we try it? Please do. Thanks. Wonderful. That's a beautiful color. But we're really happy with the, the way that this wine turned out and how it's showing. We've been making Monterey Rosés for about three years now and it's been a bit of an exploration to, to find the best vineyards, the best clones that go into this wine and also to dial in that colour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in the, the third attempt we really got it where we wanted it. And there's a bit of a trend towards those lighter style uh, color, at least rosés uh, on the market these days. Fantastic. It's a very light pink color. I get a lot of pear out of this. What do you get out of it, Janae? I do get some pear, and I definitely get some um, some stone fruit as well. Definitely. I get some, some white peaches, mm-hmm. actually. It's beautifully floral as mm-hmm. well, and um, really just, I kind of want to douse myself in it and make it my perfume. <laughs> and it's a Pinot Noir grape, and pressed it and kept it on the skin for just a very brief time. It, uh, yeah, it was direct to press, so the oh, only wow. skin contact was while it was in the press. Um, so yeah, not a, not a great deal of colour, and we're also very mindful always of how much of that colour could drop out during fermentation. So, you know, the, the squeezing it in the press, you, you start with more colour, but you end up at this point here. It's delicious. It's delicious and perfect, a perfect summer sipper. It really is, and it's very, I, I was going to say even keeled, but I think the better compliment is that it's well balanced. Uh, it's not too tart, it's not too sweet, and I think it's quite uh, elegant for a rosé. Absolutely. What do you get out of it, Janae? I get some really wonderful acidity, one that's not super bracing, but really just kind of strong and muscular, uh, but really inviting as well, and uh, but some softness as well. So it's both masculine and feminine in my opinion you have the the juiciness the brightness up front uh, and there's a delicacy to the wine for sure but then you get a bit of structure that kicks in and, and rounds the wine out but I think that what holds it all together all together is the acidity yes. Yes, that's the key the acidity and then my second impression of it I get a little bit of a salinity which probably comes from that Pacific Coast water near Monterey you nailed it yeah we, we often see that with our particularly and I'll, I'll class this as a white wine here but we see that with our aromatic and Chardonnay wines in Monterey that the ocean influence does bring some a, a slight hint of salinity and, and minerality often like oyster shell mm-hmm. yes I was just about to say that it's like the aroma of an oyster shell that you pick off the beach yeah and I often get that kind of brininess from Monterey wine so I, I love that I think it adds a wonderful layer of complexity well what a great way to kick off this episode and welcome to episode 15 of Sip on This the podcast that brings you along on the wondrous journey of wine country here in Sonoma and Napa Valleys and 
Fields of Farm. I'm Roger Chung, and it's great to be back with you, and I'd love to introduce my co-host, Janae Gaither. Janae, great to be back with you here today. Thank you. It's wonderful to be back on American soil. <laughs> you were just in New Zealand, uh, and, and our winemaker here today, Craig, is also from New Zealand. Set the scene for us here, Janae. Where are we? We are in um, Healdsburg, and we're actually just off Healdsburg Square, and like Sonoma proper, uh, Healdsburg actually has a square, and a lot of... Uh, really cool restaurants and a lot of wineries that you can actually visit in Napa and Sonoma actually have outposts as tasting rooms here on and just off the square. So it's a beautiful little, cute little town, um, pretty small, but just very, very charming and with amazing food, uh, restaurants and, and wineries and also a three Michelin starred restaurant. Um, and you guys should all definitely come and, and enjoy Healdsburg for a day or well, a week. When I was walking here, a lot of side walk cafes with people just enjoying the warm weather here. Young man playing the acoustic guitar out on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of love and feel that you get from this area. And we're at the wine tasting room for La Crema. And our special guest today is Craig McAllister, the head winemaker for this beautiful winery. Craig, it's great to have you here today. Thanks so much for hosting us on Sip on This. It's a pleasure to be here and, and welcome to, to La Crema and to Healdsburg. You actually live here in Healdsburg. Why do you settle in this town? What, what's attractive to you here? I think what's attractive first and foremost is, is that it's just a beautiful little town. Um, but it, it really plays into the lifestyle that we live here. And, and yes, I work in the wine industry, but I, I think many of us call it the wine lifestyle. Absolutely. So number of great uh, wineries, tasting rooms to check out. You hit the nail on the head with the, the restaurants. There's, there's one for every day of the month here in town. Um, but it's, it's, it's the confluence of, of three very well-known wine-growing regions here with Dry Creek Valley, Russian River Valley and Alexander Valley that all meet in Healdsburg. So there's, uh, there's a number of wines to get out and try and, uh, and just great people live here, little like-minded people. And Healdsburg is about an hour and 20 minutes north of San Francisco over the Golden Gate Bridge, just straight down 101. Great place to spend a beautiful summer day or any day throughout the year to really just come here in this small little town and enjoy and appreciate the wine from this region. I agree. And Craig, it must be really, really fun to work for a brand that so many people are familiar with. So I know that could be said for many wineries, but La Crema is one of those brands that kind of dominates and it's practically in every store and shop across the country. And even if you are not a wine person, a lot of people have heard of La Crema. So what do you, the impact of that must kind of be very humbling. That for all of us who work for La Crema and represent La Crema should also be very proud of that, uh, that it is such a well-known winery and such a, a well-trusted winery. That's right. Uh, you know, our, our wines, I feel, are fantastic, and there's, there's a wine at, at just about every price point. So we're here in, the, in your Hillsburg tasting room, but tell us a little bit about your winery and where it's at. So the, the winery itself is, uh, is based in Windsor, uh, and that's about 10 miles south of here. Uh, the reason why, it's right in the heart of the Russian River uh, Appalachian, and uh, that's really good for us because we're pulling fruit from throughout the area, and if the fruit is close to the winery or the winery is close to the fruit, then we get the fruit to the winery in the best condition to start the winemaking process. You know, Janae, I'm listening to Craig, and he's got a little twang in his voice right here because he's got that uh, accent from New Zealand. And when you came back from New Zealand, I got a little bit of that twang that you brought <laughs> back with us. 
brought back with you. So, Craig, you actually came from New Zealand, and uh, you settled here in, in, in the Sonoma area. What's the difference between some New Zealand wine, perhaps, and some California wines? Gosh, I think if we were to, to take it back first and foremost to the vineyard level, uh, you know, I, I always think that New Zealand is a little bit closer to the margins of, of growing uh, than we are here in California. And with California, even in what we would call a bad year, the wines are still fantastic. Mm-hmm. We're always growing or, and making wine in, in New Zealand. If you had a bad year, basically you lost everything. So that's, that's perhaps the most striking difference. Um, and, and I think here, just being a little bit warmer uh, than, than New Zealand, then we just get a, a bit of a lift in the richness and concentration of the wines. That gotcha. We didn't see quite so much in, in New Zealand, and particularly where I was on the outskirts of Christchurch. And what was the one wine that kind of got you into wine, that you said, you know, this is my career path, I, I want to do this for the rest of my life? You know, funny, I was asked just, just last week, is there an aha moment? And, and I think back to uh, when I was working in resort hotels in New Zealand as a 19 or 20 year old and uh, one of our guests offered me a glass of wine that he had had with his dinner and, and I think that was the one that made me think, wow, this stuff is, hmm. is really good. Um, but it, believe me, it's taken quite a few bottles of wine over the years to really sort of nail it in and or dial it in to decide that this is what I wanted to do. Excellent. And what was your journey and path that landed you here at La Crema? Gosh, it, I mean, I'm, I'm no spring chicken, so yeah, how much time have we got? But uh, I, I think uh, I travelled, I lived overseas in the UK for a number of years, uh, but in 1998 went back to New Zealand and I previously had a, my work history was hotels. Uh, and I sort of tired of that a little bit and, and decided that I should uh, do something different. And uh, it was rather fortuitous that I just happened to open the newspaper and see that my local university was having an open day and they were offering the Viticulture and Enology program. Well, wow, that sounds pretty cool. And here's a job where you can work outside in the beautiful weather or work inside when it's cold and rainy and, and the ability to travel still. Mm-hmm. That was the catalyst for it. Uh, so four years of university and then uh, started working in wineries in New Zealand uh, and then travelled to Australia, uh, back to New Zealand, uh, ultimately to California and then to Chile and to Cyprus in the Mediterranean, all oh, for winemaking. So mm, it's pretty exciting. fantastic. Pretty decent. Uh, and have been back here at Crema permanently since 2009. Um, and a lot of the vineyards that you source from are the Russian River, so cooler climates. Do you think that cool climate winemaking is in your blood? And what do you love about cool climate winemaking versus winemaking from other regions or other styles of winemaking, I should say? Yeah, I, I think it most certainly is in my blood, uh, in my heart, in my, my head these days, because this has effectively been my winemaking career, has, has been in these cool climate areas. Um, I think that they're the best areas to, to grow grapes in, particularly for premium uh, wines, such as we're making, uh, so Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, that really need that cool climate to, uh, to build colour, flavour, aroma and, and texture in the wines. So that split between your day and nighttime temperatures, the diurnal variation is super important. And in this part of California, we get about 50 degrees, 45 to 50 degree difference for flavour, uh, colour and aroma development. 
these are the ones that excite me and I think they're the ones that excite uh, obviously all of our customers, all our consumers and, and guests and uh, it's a style that I think is, is so widely appreciated. Uh, it's acid I think that is the key that ties the wines together and you look at some warmer areas where you lose more of that acid and the wines don't hold up as well and they just don't have the, the character, if uh, finesse even, than, than wines growing in cooler climates. So can you tell us about this Chardonnay? So the first Chardonnay that we have here, uh, the Chapur, is the uh, 2017 Russian River Valley Chardonnay. And 2017 was a, was a great year for us. Uh, nice long growing season. Uh, we really avoided a lot of the, the heat spikes that have plagued us in the past. And so the vines, the grapes hang on the vine for a long time, build concentration, depth and volume. Uh, as we were saying, all of our Chardonnays are barrel fermented, so this one spends about nine months in the barrel. Uh, it's about 35% new oak, um, and while it's in the barrel, it goes through the secondary fermentation, that malolactic fermentation. Right. So 100% malolactic. Um, fruit forward, and you do get the malolactic character, you get the barrel there, but it's really about the fruit for me. Mm-hmm. So that. I got some butterscotch and a little bit of vanilla um i also got kind of like a some uh, almost like a (laughs) you're gonna laugh at me some like some limestone like this this kind of chalky um it's a minerality kind of characteristic but uh it's difficult to actually articulate in words i think it's more that you actually just have to taste it and then you know and i think it's really wonderful and for it to go through full mallow uh it doesn't taste like that actually. Yes, I do get butterscotch, but it doesn't taste heavy. It doesn't taste super viscous. It's actually still very clean, very crisp, um, and it's quite lovely. It is quite very elegant. Yeah. And, and this is from the Russian River Valley, which we haven't talked much about on other uh, uh, podcast episodes. Tell us a little bit about this this Russian River Valley, the temperature, the terrain, the terrain, all that stuff, the soil. So there there are a number of different soil types depending on where you are within the Appalachian. And we, you know, we have our favourites, uh, and there are soils that are sought after for both Chardonnay and Pinot Noir production. Obviously, it's an area that's influenced by the Pacific Ocean. So we're talking about fog coming in uh, in the early mornings uh, that often retreats mid-morning and just depresses those morning temperatures. Uh, talking about gentle breezes coming off the ocean uh, in the afternoon and just moderating the, the afternoon temperatures a little bit. That gives us a long growing season. Uh, that's where flavour and uh, aromatics are developed is that time on the vine and we retain more acidity with that longer growing season than if, say, it was a very hot climate where your acids degrade pretty rapidly. And, gotcha. what I, and what I can appreciate out of this wine is I can actually taste the fruits. Absolutely. I get a lot of really awesome stone fruits here, like those white peaches again, a little bit of apricot. Um, but I also get some pears, and I get um, a, kind of some lemon curd, too. It's, it's a really kind of wonderful amalgamation of flavors and a wonderful layers of complexity as well. So La Creme has been around for a while, right? Has indeed. Uh, 1979 was the first harvest, so 
that makes uh, the harvest we just completed in 2018 our 40th uh, harvest. So we're having a birthday at the moment. That's right. Uh, Happy 40th anniversary. Exciting. Yeah, it's, it's a big feat, I think. Uh, when you look at the at the development or the the history of the wine industry here in, in this part of California, yes, there are some some very long term uh, sort of standard bearers, if you will, but there are a number of wineries that have come and gone over that forty year period, and, and I think it's it's amazing that Lacroma is still uh, still marching the beat. That forty year period has Lacroma grown pretty much the same varietals, or has, has it evolved a little bit? So we were founded uh, as a Burgundy house, so okay. Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, and that's, we're true to that uh, today. Uh, I think what has grown is our, our scope, where we're looking at, uh, at growing our grapes and making wines from. So back in 1979, the you know one or two wines from the Russian River and Los Carneros, but now we're making wine as far south as uh, Santa Rita Hills, mm-hmm. uh, up to the Willamette Valley in Oregon. Yes. And we really do have a footing in just about all of the, the premier or preferred cool climate appellations on the western seaboard of the USA. Uh, that's pretty remarkable, I think. And you're a part of Jackson Family Wines. Um, why do you like being part of a, very, a family-owned brand that's actually quite large and very esteemed, but still family-owned? I mean, the names that are part of Jackson Family are well-known all around the world, from Parash in Oregon to Cardinal in Napa to to Fremark Abbey in Napa, and then we have places in, in, in France as well, in Italy. It's amazing for us. It gives us the access to a number of incredible vineyards. We have a very modern winery. Uh, The family are based here in Northern California. They visit our wineries and at times we work side by side. Um, So having the family and our executive team close by and seeing what's going on in the wineries uh, makes them very quick to, to react. And uh, and keep current. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's you know it, it's the best. I see you've got another bottle of Chardonnay staring right at me. Uh, I just love how the bottles of wine are lined up. This one is the Sierra Lee's Vineyard. Tell us a little bit about this. So with the uh, if I go back to most people knowing us for our Sonoma Coast mm-hmm. and Monterey wines, uh, we often say that that's the the, the macro view or as I said, the 30,000 foot view. So if you're flying at 30,000 feet, you see the whole of the Sonoma Coast Appalachian. We just tasted through the Russian River wine, which say, let's say 5,000 feet, where you're seeing the sub-Appalachian within the larger. And then when we get to Sierra Lee's, this is the micro level. This is walking the vineyard, walking single rows and identifying parcels of fruit that we think are going to make the best wines. So that's our commitment, our approach at the moment is macro to micro. So this is um, also a, a new label uh, for us. Uh, first wines in this grey label came out in 2015. And, and these are really for us to showcase uh, the incredible vineyards that we have here in the Russian River and on the Sonoma Coast. So Sierra Lee's Vineyard uh, officially became our home uh, back in, uh, in fall of 2016 uh, when we opened the, the La Crema Estate at Sierra Lee's Vineyard. Sierra Lee's is, a, is a, an iconic vineyard and Sierra Lee herself was an iconic person, the matriarch of, of grape growing here in this part of California, you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're so fortunate that it's now our home right in the heart of the Russian River. 
Uh, the vineyard itself is about 200 acres planted, uh, 264 acres total property. And uh, we have a grandma where the, the main benefactors of the Chardonnay and Pinot Noir that comes from there. So this, uh, this Chardonnay here, uh, it's fermented again in 100% French oak, uh, stays in the barrel for about nine months. We're stirring once to twice every month to get the leaves up and okay. build the texture. Uh, our wines for me, it's all about texture. We mm -hmm. have to have the texture and the acidity uh, yeah. in the wines. And this one is, uh, I always think it's, it's the best of both worlds again. We get the, these very delicate, almost feminine notes of, uh, say, bright citrus and apple. Uh, but then you get some, some richer, uh, more honeyed notes. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe hitting those creme brulee type spectrum that comes with time in the barrel. Tell us the properties of these of of the Russian River Valley and why and and Monterey. What do you like about the areas? Um, and if somebody is looking for wines on the shelves, when they see RRV Russian River Valley or Monterey um, or something like Santa Lucia Highlands or something like that, what can they expect when they drink wines from those regions? Gosh, I, I think if you're trying to, to compare or contrast the, the two appellations, I'd say that in the Russian River, what we're seeing, certainly with, through the Chardonnay lens, is this classic character. Um, so I often think it's, there's a purity to the fruit, there's structure and there's concentrations to the wine, but they're not all about power. There's, there's delicate notes there as well. Uh, and, and I'll use that word classic mm -hmm. again. And I think when we go further south to Monterey and we think about the different soils, the different growing climates and even the different clonal mix of Chardonnay that's in the ground there, I tend to think that we are seeing more, say, tropical characters uh, in that fruit there. So the wines are, are very different. And so classic from the Russian River and I always think that uh, our Monterey and Arroyo Seco Chardonnays are like the, the young punchy up and comer. Uh, mm -hmm. They just have that tropical floral character, whereas you see more citrus and, and green apple up here in, in the north coast. The two varietals, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, which one do you enjoy uh, wielding and enjoy manipulating the most, or I should say making wine from the most? If I had to choose, it would be the, the Pinot Noir, okay. because there is a there is a mystique, there is this, uh, this notion that it's a, a very fickle grape mm -hmm. in the vineyard and also in the winery, but it's very transparent in the, in the sense that it, it shows you so easily where it's grown. Mm -hmm. um, so a Santa Rita Hills Pinot Noir is very distinctive when you compare it to a Russian River Pinot Noir, mm -hmm. as is a, uh, a Royal Seiko or a Willamette Valley. And that's not because of what we're doing in the winery, that's right. because of where those grapes are grown. Yeah. So for that for that there, I would say that Pinot Noir is is the one that we uh, you know we, we wax lyrical about and probably geek out on a little bit more mm -hmm. than Chardonnay, but for us at the Crema, Chardonnay is, is probably about two-thirds of what we make. Okay. Um, so, you know... It's a, your workhorse. It's the workhorse, but I, I think we're seeing a, a bit of a change in the perception of, of Chardonnay in, in my brief time here where, you know, I, I think, and remember back to when I was first getting into the wine world and you thought California Chardonnay, and that was it. It was in a box, mm -hmm. it's California Chardonnay. <laughs> now I think we're sort of breaking it apart and we're 
really paying more attention to appellations and sub-appellations right. and probably areas within the Russian River, for example, and looking at those distinctive characters that come with Chardonnay from, from these different locals, uh, locales or uh, neighborhoods, if you will. Gotcha. Speaking of Pinot Noirs, uh, I see two bottles of Pinot Noir <laughs> in front of us, again, staring at me beautifully. I'm gazing at them. We're going to start with the white label. This is the 2017, I believe, uh, Russian River Valley Pinot Noir. And oh, this is the 2016. 2016 Russian River, excuse me, yeah. Oh. Yeah? Oh, You just yeah. put your nose in there, you're kind of having a oh. visceral reaction right oh, now. Oh, yeah. You didn't even sip it yet. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> what about the bouquet, the aroma, that is giving you that, that, uh, that reaction? It's, it's, it's so classic Pinot Noir to me, mm. and classic... Uh, it's very classic uh, California Pinot Noir. It's tart, wow. tart cherry. Wow. It's so perfumey. Yeah. Um, really, almost like some a little bit of potpourri is what I get from this on the nose. Um, Freshly cut rose oh, for me. Again, I would douse myself in it if it was, you know, yes. a perfume. It's it's just incredibly, incredibly aromatic. And you pulled all that just from the aroma. We, you haven't oh, yeah. really sipped it yet. Haven't touched in my mouth but, yet. But the but color is, uh, what would you call that? I would say it is a, um, it is a garnet color. A little it's more of a medium, medium to darker garnet color. Um, I could still read through it and Pinot Noir, you can always, if you put it on, put it atop some text, you can always see through it because it's very transparent. It's a lightly, lightly saturated grape, so you can always read through it. Um, and, but it is still saturated in color enough that I can say it's definitely garnet. It's not like pink. Mm -hmm. It is going to deeper reddish burgundy colors. Really fantastic. Soft and elegant and this is why Pinot Noir is what got me into wine because of all of these amazing characteristics of it and Craig, I'm sure you have kind of probably a, the same reaction to Pinot and its mystique that I do. Uh, and can you elaborate more on like why you love, besides the fact that it kind of shows itself immediately and you don't have to guess why you love Pinot Noir? Yeah, for me, it's, it, it tends to be so fruit forward. Uh, and I, I love that freshness, that, that vibrancy of vitality of fruit that, uh, that shows in those Pinot Noirs. Um, it's not a, a real heavyweight. You know, yes, this is a slightly riper style of Pinot Noir than, than some you will see, but the tannins tend to be finer, not as big and as, as, as blocky, and the wine itself not quite as concentrated as I see with, say, some of the Bordeaux varieties. So, yeah, I just uh, I, I really love that freshness and vibrancy that's in Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. But earlier you were talking about macro to micro. Take me on the micro level for this because... I love Pinot Noirs, I really do. And uh, when I drink Pinot, or when I anticipate a good Pinot, I, I, and I love mushrooms, so when I, I, I love to anticipate the earth, uh, but this Russian River Valley Pinot Noir, as you said, is very fruit forward. How did you, take me, take me to that vineyard where these grapes come from, and how do you keep the fruit forwardness in this bottle? 
So there are actually a number of different vineyards uh, that go into this wine here, um, and you know they're, they're pretty well spread out throughout the Russian River Appalachian. So we have some uh, some vineyards over in, in the western part of the county, uh, in say Occidental area, uh, but a lot of the uh, the structure and the, the concentration for this wine comes from an area that we call the Santa Rosa Plains. Mm-hmm. So for those who are familiar with that area, it's around about the Piner Olivet Road type area. Um, but in, in, in terms of how we, we keep that fruit forwardness, I think it's by not overworking it. Uh, it's being very conscious uh, with our picking decisions, not letting it hang on the vine too long so that we're getting big, ripe, jammy flavours and no acid. It, it's about trying to nail that pick, uh, get it to the winery and, and treat it very, very gently. Um, and for Pinot Noir, for us, it's open-top fermentations uh, with, uh, with punch-downs. Mm-hmm. So Describe that for the audience. Yeah, describe that. It's uh, basically the whole grape goes in the, in the tank. So it's the skins, the seeds, the pulp, and, and any of the juice goes into the tank. And these tanks have no lids on them because we're going to get in there and we're going to punch it, punch it down. Uh, so a punch-down, what that does is it pushes the skins back down into the into the, the fermenting matrix, if you will. And that's really important to keep the temperature pretty even throughout the ferment. Um, but all of the, the skins uh, contain the color, the flavor, and the aroma in Pinot Noir, so that we need to work it to extract the color. Uh, very gentle handling is, is the key here. Uh, the punch downs allow the color, the flavor, and the aroma to come out without extracting a whole lot of the tannin. That, come, that could come with it. Um, so the gentle handling, the open top fermentations and the punch down is the key. There's a, there's a great level of sulkiness to this Pinot Noir. When I say sulkiness, not sexiness, but a sulkiness, meaning more of an alluring quality, right? It's like, I'm attractive and I'm here and I know you want me and come drink this. And then once you taste this, yeah. you're fulfilled. You really are. I, and I think, and that description is how I describe almost every Pinot Noir. Yeah. Which is whether it's from Oregon or Burgundy itself or, you know, the Sierra Mar Vineyard um, in Santa Lucia Highlands or, you know, anywhere else. And it, it has a mystique. It has a sexiness. It's, it's a, it, it has a class. It's a very high class. It doesn't show you everything, but it gives you just enough to say, hey, you're going to want more of me. But, you know, Craig, as I've tasted uh, some of your wines today, the Sierra Lee's Vineyard and now this 2017 Russian River uh, Valley uh, Pinot Noir. With the sips that I've had of those two wines in particular, when I've tasted those two wines in particular, for me, I feel like I'm out in the field literally picking the grapes off the vine and popping them straight in my mouth because it's got that concentration of that fruit flavor, which I can really appreciate what you did with your winemaking here. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's freshness that we're looking for, and, uh, and isn't that really one of the beautiful things about wine, that it can transport you to places uh, that, that maybe you haven't been, and if this takes you back to the vineyard and, and tasting the fresh fruit on the vine, I, I think we've succeeded in, in what we're trying to do. we got one more bottle of wine staring at us. It's another Pinot Noir. This is the Fogvale Vineyards. Tell us a little bit about this wine. So this uh, this wine here, Fogvale, um, this is actually two of our estate vineyards uh, in the Santa Rosa Plains area. Um, 
and they're, they're, they're neighbouring vineyards, so it's, it's not a single vineyard in a sense, but two neighbouring vineyards. Um, this is where the fog, as the name implies, the fog comes in and that blankets or veils the vineyard in the early morning, mm-hmm. so depressing those temperatures. And then as the fog retreats back out to the ocean, it gets quite warm. And I think that gives us the best of both worlds there. We get that, the, the brightness of the acidity, the freshness of the fruit, but then we get the richness and the texture and the concentration of fruit that comes with those warm to hot days okay. once the fog dissipates. Um, but this one here, it's, the winemaking itself is not a great deal different to, uh, to what we're doing with the Russian River Valley blend. There'll be some very subtle differences between the oak percentage uh, in the wine. But really what you're seeing uh, when you contrast these two wines is one is a blend of multiple vineyards and then you have a very, very regional uh, or local wine with the fog mm-hmm. 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 And we've talked a lot about the cool climates and the fogs today. Now we do um, get some, some Pinot Noir from the bottom end of the Napa Valley in, in Los Carneros. But that tends to be about as far north as Pinot Noir goes and on that side of the valley. You know, here, we're only really able to grow Pinot Noir and Chardonnay here because of the influence of the, the Pacific Ocean. Uh, so it, it is the fog, it's the cooling breezes uh, that, that come through every day and, and depress our, our sort of nighttime temperatures and give us a slightly cooler start to the day and just lengthen out the growing season. Uh, it takes a long time for, for flavour to develop on the vine uh, and we're always geeking out, if you will, about long hang time and about the retention of the acid and that's, you know, you're only going to get that in these cooler areas. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say it is another wine with a wonderful, wonderful nose. Um, again, mm. potpourri and... This one has a little bit more of that prominent mushroom uh, effect to it that I mentioned earlier. Mushroomy, kind yeah. of earthy, but Which also, I love. yeah, but also that kind of dried potpourri flavor and some and some dried cherries as well. Mm. And then the palate is just, it's wonderful. It's light. It almost it almost tickles you. Um, it kind of dances on your palate, saying, "Hey, here I am," but hey, come and find me at the same time. And I, I love that. A wine that I have—that's kind of an enigma that you actually have to figure out, that you have to think about. That's complex. It's not just there, but one that actually is a puzzle for you to uncover layer by layer. And um, that's what this wine is doing for me, and I absolutely enjoy it. Um, and of course, it's gone because all of my wines <laughs> are always gone. That's right. With you, there's never enough. There's never a full glass. It's never a full glass with me. <laughs> they go as quickly as they come. Um, but yeah, it's it's delicious. You know, I can see it paired with amazing food, but I can also see it like after a long day, just going home and enjoying the the evening and. It's wonderful. I, I think Craig the, did a wonderful job. I love the body, the structure of this wine. It's yeah. got a little bit of heft to it, but not an overpowering heft that you're used to with a, with a red wine. It's got this light, as you said, Janae, a light, delicate effect to it, uh, but it's got enough heft to it and hardiness to it that you want to... That it can hold up. It holds up and it makes it savory. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. This, is, this wine, I would want to uh, drink the full bottle. You don't have to. <laughs> Give me a good, 
uh, pork loin. Yep. Or give me a good marinara with this, with a little basil or something. Yep. And some parmesan, and I would. I think that would pair lovely with this wine. Absolutely. Uh, the Russian River always gives us a, a, a pretty strong non-fruit component to the wines as well, and for me that shows itself as uh, as sassafras, mm-hmm. uh, sort of that root beer character. Yeah. Um, but there's spice, there's tobacco, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I'm always looking for for those layers of of certainly a fruit in the first instance, and then those non-fruit characters that I think flesh the wine out, fill it out, and, and provide a lot of the structure. I let the uh, wine linger in my mouth, and I got a, a great mouthfeel mm-hmm. to this wine. It's, it's, it's lasting, and it's, 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 very, uh, it's a little acidic, but in a good way, and I think it's got a great effect to it. Yeah. Nice job. And, and I, I love that initially I get some fruit, but like at the end, on the finish, I get some savory characteristics, which kind of makes me want dinner or lunch and um, a wine that kind of makes you want more food and something paired with it is a very good wine to me. So I've been to this tasting room here in Healdsburg uh, before and I've uh, actually had La Crema. Uh, I see it frequently on nice restaurant menus uh, and I've seen it at uh, beautiful wine and food festivals. Um, are these labels the same labels that folks can buy in the retail market? Some of these definitely. Uh, you will see our, our Monterey uh, rose, as well as we make four wines from Monterey. So you will see all of those uh, across the country. The same can be said for uh, our Sonoma Coast. Then when we start getting into our Appalachian series, you're going to see that in some uh, supermarket stores, but a lot of restaurants, high-end wine stores. The, uh, the two single vineyard ones that we tasted, these are really only available on-premise, so okay. in restaurants or through our, uh, our tasting room or wine club here at, at lecrema.com. So with the, the Sierra Lee's Chardonnay and the, and the Fog Bell Pinot Noir, you will see that there is no barcode uh, on this wine. So these wines really were created for that on-premise, for restaurants and uh, perhaps some high-end wine stores and, uh, and certainly for our wine club members. And they could come to any of your premises here, whether it's your tasting room here in Healdsburg or your Sierra Lee Vineyard just down the street, just down the road from here, to, to experience that wine. Sure. Yeah, there's those and, and a, a number of our other wines can be tasted on any given day. And what I love about this tasting room, it's modern, it's clean, it's hip, it's got a great vibe to it, it's lively, and it's open door, meaning... You just walk in. Just walk in. Yeah. It's and so it, welcoming and inviting. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's cute. It's a lot of like really cool wood and, and it just feels like your best friend's living room, which I love. We're currently in the Healdsburg tasting room just off the square, but if we want to go to the winery, how different should we expect the experience to be? So it's, uh, at the tasting room here, you can you can taste through a number of different flights of wines. Uh, we so if you're a wine club member, then that uh, gives you to some of our more exclusive wines. Um, this is the downtown tasting room, but uh, if you were to drive another ten miles further south, you could go to the La Crema Estate and Sierra Lee's Vineyard, and, and this is a beautiful, just a fantastic site really to, to go and taste wine and soak in the ambience. But there, it, it's a repurposed 1850s barn. Um, it's had a number of lives uh, through the years, but now is our home in the, in the heart of the Russian River. So there's a number of the same wines that you can taste there. There will be a couple of exclusives for that property. 
Um, but you can do any number of, uh, there's a self-guided walking tour through the parts of the vineyard and the grounds. Uh, you can do a guided tour with one of our wine educators. Uh, and there is uh, picnic basket offerings as well. Oh, nice. Uh, and I, I believe that you can bring your own picnic and, and sit at the table and, and have a glass of the cream. I love that. Very cool. I love that. Hey, Craig, tell us a little bit about your wine club. Sure, so we, we have a burgeoning wine club at, at La Crema, uh, and there are a number of different uh, options for joining the club. So we have either a six-bottle club or a 12-bottle club, and both of these are based around uh, three shipments per year. Mm. And uh, you can mix and match, so you can get all white wines if you want, you can take a, a mix of uh, red and white, or you can just take the red wine. So we hope there's something there for everyone. And you have events throughout the year? We do have a, have a number of uh, wine club events. Uh, I think uh, what's pretty exciting in celebration of our 40th anniversary, on August 17th, we're, uh, we're having our 40th uh, birthday celebration. That awesome. So tickets for that are available on the events tab of our website, thecrema.com. And uh, once you have your ticket, you will be able to come and hang out with us and, uh, and taste some of our wines and, and talk to some of the key folks at the Crema. I'd love to go there and just check out that multi-generational uh, I totally farm go. that you talked about. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to see that property. I want to go, definitely. But Craig, do you have any other cool events that are coming up? Yeah, I think uh, a pretty exciting little tidbit is that in honor of our 40th anniversary, uh, we're partnering with uh, Rod Berglund, who was the original winemaker for La Crema back in 1979. Oh, wow. To make a commemorative uh, 40-year anniversary wine. Fantastic. And do you want to give us a clue? Is that going to be white or red? It's going to be a Pinot Noir and uh, should be uh, be available hopefully in in October. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure's on the line. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sip On This, and you can learn more about La Crema Winery. As Craig said, go to lacrema.com and come visit them in their Healdsburg, California tasting room or at their main winery down in Windsor, California. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Log on to siponthis.org and you can see pictures from today's tasting event and ask us questions which we'll answer at an upcoming episode. Until next time, everybody, live life peacefully, productively, and deliciously. Cheers. 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 Thank you.